Yeah. So we're in this series called A Vertical Story, and it's kind of the foundation of the church. We chose the name Vertical Story because we believe, like the scripture says, when Christ be lifted up, he draws all men unto himself. And so when we give glory and honor to God, it draws people to him and to the goodness of God. And when our testimony goes out and we give thanks to God and we speak and we give testimony, again, God returns by, it's like this recycling thing. God just continues to pour himself out as we give thanks. And so our vertical story is the life that we live. What does your life say about you? And so I tweeted a few things out this week about our life is not made up in our stuff. Our life is made up in our story and what we leave. And so uh, our tombstone shouldn't have our name and our details and our, our tombstone is not what we write on. It's the hearts of people that we connect with that we should be etching our story and God's story into their life. And so we talked about like at a funeral, um, you know, you have born in 19 whatever to whatever and there's the dash in the middle of the two dates. What does your dash say about you? You know, what is that? What is your story? What is that dash? What does it say? We talked about in scripture how a lot of times as people walked and, and they were on journeys and God would do things or they'd encounter different things with God, they would stop there and they would build a pyramid or they'd make uh, something that you could continually remember what God did. Why? Because it's a part of their story. It matters. And what I love about that video is it said, uh, it happened, it's happening. There's things in our life we don't like about our story, but are a part of the story. And God always uses things for the better. God can turn any situation into something that you can give glory and give honor. And so it happened, it happens, but it's a part of your story and it can be used under the goodness of God. And so a lot of times I think the devil really messes with us or the enemy messes with us with this idea of, well, you had those one years where you did this or you did this. So your story is over. You're no good. You can't, but God always redeems and restores. Amen. So <laughs> for us, we love the fact that your story matters. It says that it matters to God. It matters to others. And so though we may have bumpy roads, God can use those bumpy roads. I know there's a lot of things in our life that we stand on now um, that I wish we never had happen in the moment that you're going through it. Like, oh, we had this thing. I say we, I mean me and my wife or anything in life really. Oh, I wish I never had that. But eventually when you get on the other side, it kind of becomes your foundation. And this is probably bad theology that I'm going to say this. <laughs> So don't hold it to me. <laughs> but this is what I believe. Scar tissue is stronger than your first skin. You know, when you have a scar, uh, that scar tissue is stronger. And so a lot of times the enemy's like, well, you had that thing. But when it heals and you get restoration from God, you come back stronger. And so a lot of people say, well, he's saying we got to get scars and we got to get, God's got to do bad things to us. And that's not what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying it may be bad theology. But when life happens and, and you have scars and you have battle wounds, listen, I heard a great quote. Uh, there are no champions in life or in battle that are scar-free. There's no such thing as a fighter with no scars and, uh, and a champion with no scars. And so those things will come, but it's okay that it's a part of your story. It's a part of your story. And, uh, and use it. So don't let the enemy twist it that, well, you've had this season or you weren't brought up right or you had this thing or that thing. It's all a part of your story and God can use it and um, empower you through it. Amen? So we're in this series called A Vertical Story and we're talking about, okay, our story matters. What are we saying? And I thought about this um, and we're going to talk about it here for just a few minutes. There is no great, if you think about the great story, so uh, a movie or uh, there's a great book or something, uh, all of those things 
usually have a director or like someone who writes a book has a proofreader or a ghostwriter or somebody comes in and kind of navigates the story and, and helps structure it or image it, if you will, into its complete package. And it's the same things in our life. Whether you consciously notice it or not, you're being formed. You're being formed by something. Your story is being directed. You say, well, no, I'm, I'm myself. I'm my own individual subconsciously you don't understand that you're being navigated or formed or you're getting an image of your idea of life from something. And uh, here's an example. When you think about your circle of friends, you didn't really choose your friends. Your friends accepted you. And so most of our kind of path in life where we end up falling is just because it's, it's this form or fashion that we've fallen into. The idea of how we run our life is really just because it's it's fit and it's worked. And there's not, not, there's not anything wrong with that. Uh, but what I'm saying is it's important for us to be conscious when you're talking about our vertical story and what we're saying. It's important for us to say, hey, where am I getting my marching orders? The image that I have of my life or the vision that I have for my life or, or the director of my story, who's directing me? And so we're going to take a look at what the scripture says about that um, in James 1.23. It says this, it says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing himself in the, observing his natural face in the mirror, verse 24, for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So what, what James is saying, what this book is saying here is this, if somebody is a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like somebody who's checking in the mirror to get an image of their life, to check in and say, hey, what, what's the conditions? Okay, I'm checking in the mirror, getting the conditions. It would be like if somebody were to check in the mirror, get everything checked out, and leave and forget the conditions. So that's oh, not making a lot of sense. Let me put it to you like this. Uh, all of us check the mirror, hopefully. Hopefully in the, uh, in the beginning of the day, we, we check the mirror. I think it's funny um, because, because women, and I'm not here to jump on women, but women have it harder than we do as men. I remember when I first got married, uh, Jess and I, uh, and, I'm, and I'm not saying like, like she's ridiculous in the makeup or her image or anything like that. I'm not saying anything like that. Um, but I was obviously never married uh, before. I was just young and we got married. And so I didn't know what goes into being a woman. Uh, and so we got married and we packed up our stuff and we were unpacking. And so it's like, hey, where does this go? That goes in the bathroom. Okay, cool. So where does this go? The bathroom. Where does that go? The bathroom. It's like, you have power tools? What are these? That was in the bathroom. It's like, what? Women don't have it very fair because men, we can wake up. Dudes, you know this. You can wake up and be somewhere in four minutes, like from bed to somewhere in four minutes because all you got to do is put a hat on and like throw a mint in or something, right? If you're kind, if you're kind. Uh, and the funny thing is dudes will never admit that. So it's like, hey, did you just get up? No, I've been up for days, days. Why are we up for days? Well, you know what I mean. I've been up, you know. Why does the side of your face say Serta Sleep Beauty mattress or something? Why does it say that? Uh, well, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. So, um, so guys, they can do that. But women, honestly, especially when you get married, it's like, hey, are you about ready to, oh my gosh, there's like an empire of power tools and like, I don't even know what that stuff does. Do you need help? Is, a, like, is somebody coming to... Um, but think about this. We all check the mirror. And wouldn't it be silly of us, you know, so, hey, I'm going to go check the conditions of my life right here in this mirror. I'm going to get an image of the status of life right now. 
check the mirror and you just see you're messed up. Your hair's a wreck. You got stuff in your teeth. You got some things that you need to address, but you just leave anyway. Oh man, I'm in rough shape. And you just go out anyway. None of us would do that. Why? Because we want to have our conditions in order. We want to be ready for the things of life. And so this is what scripture is saying. Uh, those who hear the word of God, those who come to church and receive, but walk out the doors and live the same way. How silly is that? That's what the word does for our life is it says, hey, this is the way that you're called to live. Fix on this. Work on this. Don't go out and be the same person. Um, and so that's what James is talking about here. And so the mirror of our life should be the word of God. And the director of our story should be the Bible. And I know a lot of us are like, oh, is he really going to preach a sermon on the importance of reading the Bible? Yes, I am. <laughs> because the scripture, a lot of times in writings, they start out by saying, Paul would say, and the writers would say, hey, it's good that I remind you of these things so I know you already know this, but it's good that I remind you of these things. Why? Because it's easy for us as humans to get off the path of what we should do. And you've heard me say this a million times. The largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. So we all know that we should be reading the word, but here's the true statistic according to Barner Research. A Christian will spend more time on social media in one day than they will spend reading their word in a week. Christians will spend more time in six months, Christians will spend more time in one week on social media than they will reading the Bible in six months. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> and so it's important. So, oh, I already know I need to read the Bible and whatever. Yes, but let's do it. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and so I'm in it. And listen, it is the thing that I believe is going to get you through. There's so much craziness going on in the world and spin and you know, we have the same-sex issues, and we have the creation and evolution and science issues debunking the Bible, and we have all these things. We have to find out the truth for our lives because, man, you're going to get spun. You're going to get caught up in some of this crazy. And listen, uh, Jess and I are believing uh, for this house. We found this house, and it's in foreclosure and all this kind of stuff, and so there's a lot of question marks behind it. And so we're just, we're like, oh, we're believing God. Uh, it's so funny because we drive by the house so much and like pray over it. First of all, they probably think we're actually witches or something because we drive by like throwing our hands at it, like God move on this. I think they're putting spells on that house, you know, and uh, we've met all the neighbors, honest to God. And this is where I knew it was kind of getting close to psycho is we were, we were down at um, like the pig roast car show or whatever in Zealand. We're just walking and we passed our future neighbors and they were like, hey, how's it going or whatever. And like when they introduced us to other people, these are our future neighbors. And it's like spread to the neighborhood. And uh, there's, you know, the only guarantee that we have is God is going to do it for us. Somebody say amen. But honestly, foreclosures, they got a lot of question marks behind it and stuff. But so in faith, we've already, but listen, here's what I did. As I was reading the Bible on my iPad, it's okay to read your Bible on an iPad or your phone or whatever, as long as you're reading the word. So I took screenshots of things that I was reading in the Bible. So I'm reading the Bible, I'm in the Word, and I took pictures of the house that we took. Uh, so we took pictures of the house, and I took those, and I did a, uh, and I know I'm going to get over some people's head, but I did a pick stitch, which means where you take several pictures on your iPad and you put them into one. So it's one image with four different images. And I took some of the, the, the scripture that I had been reading in my time, and I pick stitched it with pictures of the house, and I made it the background on my iPad. Why? Because I'm going to use the Word to speak it over those, the house and what we're believing for. That's why the Bible matters in your life. Don't, don't be somebody who's like, well, I'm just reading the word for the heck of it or whatever. No, take what you're reading. Be someone who looks in the mirror of the word and applies it to their life. Somebody say amen. So I'm just going to give you practical stuff because I could get up here and say, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. But 
Two things I really want you to do if you haven't done it already. Uh, on your smartphone or on your iPad or whatever, go download the Bible app. Uh, it's, the, it's like the second number, or it's the second uh, most downloaded app in the Google Store and Apple Store. But it's by lifechurch.tv. That's the designer of it. It's called the YouVersion Bible. Here's why I want you to get it is because you can come here on a Sunday and you can highlight in your iPad or your phone uh, these scriptures we put up and then you can put categories to them. And uh, you can say, oh, this is about faith or this is about finances or whatever. So download that. You can, and the other thing you can do about it is it has reading plans. And so, hey, man, I forgot to read the word today. What's cool is it sets up notifications. So let's say you're struggling with peace. Man, I'm just frustrated. I don't feel any peace in my life. You can search a reading plan that is scriptures and devotions about peace. And then when you forget to read it, it's going to give you a notification. And so whatever time you think you're most likely to read, I read a lot at night. And so I'll set up a notification. So I'll be sitting there. Oh, man, I forgot to read. Notification, notification comes on. Read through that little devotional. Get into the word. You say, oh, you know, I don't know if that it will work. Try it. Seriously, go home, download it, set up a little devotional, start putting that into your life. You're going to feel so much better. You're going to see so much more clarity in your life because God wants to speak to you. Somebody say amen. Number two. Go back on your iPad, smartphone, whatever, and download the same thing, version by lifechurch.tv, Kids Bible. Um, like, I can't even believe this app is free. If you haven't got it yet, download it for your kids. Um, it's, it's the best app, and we have a lot of kids apps. Aside from Christian and Bible, it's one of the best apps they even put out. What's fun about it is you collect different things. And I know if you don't have a kid, I'm boring you right now, but... Uh, you download things as you read the story or you win awards. And so you're kind of reading through and there's like this shiny diamond and you click it and then it asks you a question about the story that you're reading. You collect the diamonds, you collect the stars. <coughs> What's fun about it now is you win all the awards and you unlock different levels, which are different stories. And so it's fun, but there's this one thing. And again, I'm just getting off bunny trail, but there's this one part. I can't remember if it's Noah's Ark or if it's uh, the story of Abram or something, but, um, there's a cow, and when you click on the cow, uh, he swallows a fly, and then he coughs. So he's like, <laughs> and I had Caroline sitting in the bed with me, and we were reading the Bible, and she started cracking up. I mean, like belly laughing, thought the cow thing was so funny. So she wants to see the cow part of it. So now she walks around the house at night, Bible, 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 wants to do the Bible on the iPad. Listen, she wants to read the Bible because she wants to see the cow eat the fly, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what it's starting? A habit, starting a habit in her life to say, Bible, nighttime, Bible. I'm gonna... So <laughs> eventually, hopefully, the Bible becomes more inspiring than a cow eating a fly. But right now, it's a good habit-forming thing. So go download the thing. Read it with your kids. It's funny. It's fun. But it's also informational. Um, they're very smart about what they say. And so uh, when Noah, we did Noah's Ark, and it talks about how... Um, Obviously, God killed everyone on earth but Noah and his family. And so it wasn't like, one day God decided to smite all of mankind. I mean, like, they do a good job with it for your kids, and they cover a lot of stories, so download that. And so two huge things. Get into those. They'll help you. There's lots of great reading plans out there to get you in the Word. Why? Because it puts the image in your life. It's a mirror that reflects the conditions. You say, oh man, you know what? I'm reading a proverb or I'm reading a psalm and you know what? Maybe I'm getting a little prideful in life. Maybe, maybe I'm not walking in forgiveness the way that I should or grace or all those things. It, it, you check on your conditions when you read the word. It's the word of God. And so it's huge. It's important. Um, and so one thing about it too that I want to say, the enemy always knows what to go after. I know I'm being very practical, 
but he always knows what to go after. And so he knows social media is a big thing, and he knows TV is a big thing. And if do this when you go home. Try to watch a channel that doesn't run a ticker on the bottom or have announcements run into it. Not only are you watching something that you're getting images or ideas or thought patterns from, not only are they doing that, but then they're pumping more across the bottom of it. Why? Because they're always trying to, and I'm not going to say brainwash, but they're always trying to get information to you, ideas, thoughts, do this, do this, do this. Um, if you understood how deep um, the wells of the ownership goes, like if you saw who, who Viacom owns, and like who Clear Channel Radio owns, there is a lot of major corporations running most things. And so they're trying to pump a brand, an idea, and a thought to you. And if we just let it always be that instead of the word or the mirror of God, you're going to lose out. And, uh, and so I think that the enemy, and again, I know I'm being very practical, he takes a lot of these things, social medias and blogs and stuff, and says, hey, if I can start to dominate those with my messages... We can get them off the path of what God wants them to do. I'm all for blogs and reading and stuff, but moms, there's some moms out there with your blogging and reading and sharing. I think that's great. I think you should pin and unpin and post and post and whatever you do um, and tape and Velcro or however it works. That stuff's all awesome. However, it's not awesome if it's replaced the real image and the real mirror that you should be looking in called the word of God. Amen. So be careful on those things because there's going to be a twist in those. And uh, we always have to go back to what does the word of God say about it. And um, so a couple things, two thoughts while, while we get uh, on our way out here. I want to give you these two things before we leave. Practical things. Again, I know I'm being very practical, but the Bible's practical. So we're not going to get super spiritual about this big hyper idea of, no, read the Bible. That's what God gave it to you for. And we have all the cliches of, well, it's your owner's manual of life, or it's the blueprint of God's. Okay, fine. <laughs> it's that, but it's practical. It's something that you can say, man, like, like we need just a timeout in life. How many of you have ever said, like, man, I feel burned out. I just love to have a timeout. That's what the Bible is. Get a cup of coffee, get a Mountain Dew, get up and just... Go after God with some Mountain Dew and a Bible, amen? Um, okay, so a couple things uh, quick. Number one, how do you evaluate? So we're talking about an image. Like when you set the tone for your life, when you look in the mirror and you say, okay, these are the conditions, how do you evaluate your relationship with God? This is huge. You shouldn't look at your image or your idea or your vision for your life about your relationship with God based on other people's life. It's a huge fail in Christianity is when people go, oh, I look at how their relationship with God is, or oh, I look at what they're doing, oh, I look at how God has blessed them or how God has given them success, and I feel like if I'm not that, then I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And so you put your image and your ideas about your life based on somebody else, and you miss who you are. It's what we talked about last week. Supposers are losers. When you fake who you're supposed to be, not only are you not the person you're faking to be, you're not the person you're called to be. And so it's important for you to get into the word and find out, God, who have you designed me to be? Don't waste your time looking at all these other people. Uh, it's so often when people get frustrated and you get in a conversation, notice this. When somebody's really frustrated in life, hey, what's bugging you? What's bothering you? Well, you know, so-and-so is doing this or has that or does this or they got this, and now I'm frustrated about it. Well, what are you doing? You're saying, I want what God's done in their life. I don't want what God's doing in my life anymore. 
And that's probably pretty offensive to God. And it's not trusting God and it's not believing the best for your own life. And so don't evaluate or don't let the image of what God wants to do in your life be based on somebody else's relationship with God. Somebody say amen. Hannah um, is, a, is a great story in the Bible found in 1 Samuel uh, 1.13. Actually, I'll read it to you quick. Don't turn there. Uh, it says, now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk, verse 14. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put away your wine from you. And what had happened here was Hannah desperately wanted to have a child. And she was in a place where she was just in this moment with God, basically just going after him, just in this passion of God, this is my desire. And they thought she was drunk. And so the spiritual person here came and judged her in her place about, oh, you're this, you're that, you're drunk, you should, and didn't understand that she was having an authentic encounter with God, and so judged it. And I want to encourage you too, as we talk about our image of, don't let your religious background or how you were brought up or what you know and understand about God, don't let that be the final word. And so a lot of times we say, well, this is all I know about God. And so if that over there is not what I understand, I'm going to judge it. And that's what happened here was I don't get that. And so I'm going to judge it and I'm going to condemn it. And there's times that we use wisdom and we, you know, we kind of check things out and we say, is that God or is that? But we have to live in a place that we say, what is God doing? Because sincere movements can be different than what you would expect. And you say, oh, I don't know about that. Are we talking about being wacky? Listen, there's times in scripture where wacky things happened and it was God. Somebody say amen. Jesus spit in people's eyes. He put mud and there was encounters that they told this guy, hey, uh, go down and dip seven times. And that guy was a leper and he wasn't even supposed to be in there. So imagine the hostility and like the, what, you think that God told you to go do that? Well, he did. And when he got there, he was healed and God moved. And so we can't keep things in a box and evaluate things based on what we know. Somebody say amen. Uh, Hebrews 12, two says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Our relationship about is what God is the author and finisher in our lives, not somebody else's life. Number two, quick thought here, uh, is money your mirror? One way that I see the enemy doing a huge work is all we chase is money. All we chase is the next level, the next thing. And so God wants to do all these things. He wants to present to you, hey, here's what I want to do in your life through the word and give it. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can follow that way. It might cost me this or it might be this, or it might hurt me this way. Don't let money or the idea of image and things and stuff be your image, be your mirror, because God wants to do so much more. And that's why the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God, then everything else will be added to you. Money is okay. It's super important to be good stewards of everything. Scripture tells, God talked, Jesus talked more about money than he did most other things. Why? Because stewardship is everything. So resources and stewarding is a huge deal, but it can't be our mirror. It can't be how we make decisions in our life. Somebody say amen. My last thought, number three, is your current image of your life based on your past? I'll close with this. Um, is your current image of your life based on your past? I want you to take this thought home. Uh, we've talked about it. Uh, DJ, if you want to come play. We've talked about this um, several times you may have heard me say this. Um, the rear view mirror in life, too many Christians, listen, there's a reason that the rear view mirror is smaller than the windshield. Because what's happening behind you isn't as important as what's in front of you. It's more important for you to have a bigger scope and a bigger vision for what's ahead of you than what's going on behind you. And the scripture is all full of, hey, 
Like Philippians says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead. The design for our life is to go forward with what God wants us to do, not be stuck in where we were. And I understand that the past can hurt and it can hold and it can have roots. But the goal is to let go of those things that are holding you back. Because listen, you can't grab hold of what's in front of you if your hands are still full of the past. God's got great things he wants to get to you. God's got things he wants to put in your hands. But if you're still holding on to that, you can't grab hold of the new thing. Somebody say amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? So don't let your mirror, hear this thought, don't let the mirror be your past. Don't always be checking your conditions based on your thoughts of the past. Uh, lay hold of the new thing that God wants to do in your life. So let me finish this scripture for you, James 1.23. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what he looks like. Verse 25. But he who looks unto the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So when we look into the word of God and we become doers of it, that's when we can be, like the scripture says, one who is blessed. It's good to hear a message. It's good to study. But if we don't take what God has shared to us and put it in place, you're not going to be able to walk in the blessing that God designed for you. Amen. I think we get really caught up in experiences with God. Like, oh, I just had this big prayer time. Or, oh, we just worshiped and we were free and we did this thing. And, and you know, all oh, this glory. And that's good. And God moves that way. But if that doesn't translate into doing something, then I don't think that you've done all that you're supposed to do with it. Amen. So why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today for the first time, or you're here today, maybe you've been here before, but you're here and you've never prayed a prayer of salvation, the first thing that you could look at today, kind of checking in the mirror of the word of God is, is where your life is at, salvation, eternity, what God wants to do with your life. If you're here, the scripture says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. What that means is you're in relationship with God. You're choosing him as your Lord and Savior. You're choosing heaven for eternity, relationship with God. You're making a decision to be a Christian. So if you've never done that before, it's a prayer that we can pray right here today, right in your seat. I won't embarrass you. won't have you come forward. won't have you do anything like that. Right where you are, God can meet you. And uh, we'll pray this prayer all together collectively. But if you want to get in on that prayer, you say, that's where I'm at in my life, checking my conditions according to the word of God. I need to make a decision to be a Christ follower. And uh, if that's you, when I count to three, just put your hand up and we'll pray right where you are. Won't single you out. If that's you on three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody in here make a decision today? Cool. Awesome. I want to encourage you. Our prayer team is going to be up here in a little bit. If you weren't able to raise your hand, but maybe you want somebody to pray with you specifically, they'll be up here to cover that with you. For the rest of us, I encourage you as we pray, the scripture says that we, we can ask God for wisdom. Like, like that's what God's waiting to do is, is share wisdom with you. Um, God's wisdom is better than any self-help book or anything like that. So I want to pray on our way out before we leave that, that God gives us a desire 
for his word, but that he reveals wisdom as we read it. Like, let's just be a people who desire wisdom and desire the wisdom of God. Because, you know, ultimately, it's the best way to live. God's designed for our life. So I believe that God can deposit that in you today. It's not just another church service, but you can leave here upgraded in this idea that you have a desire for his word and you, you have a desire for him to impart wisdom to you. So let's just pray that before we leave. God, we love you so much. We thank you for today. God, we want our stories to be directed by you and through your word. And God, we access the scripture, just like it says, God, that we can pray for wisdom. Lord, we ask that you give us wisdom in life as we seek your word, as we, as we follow the path of being a Christ follower, of, of, of living in the way that you've called us to live. Lord, give us a desire. Plant it in our hearts right now to be a people who have a desire for the word of God. Lord, if it starts with one scripture a day or a chapter a day or whatever, God, give us that desire. We want habits formed today that just give us a desire for your word and who you are. We thank you that you're doing it in our hearts. In Jesus' name.